Sexual sin is like a hurricane of evil. It corrupts the heart of the husband and tears through the soul of the wife. And for those who are left in its wake of destruction, it's easy to feel like this marriage is beyond redemption. But with God, nothing is impossible. That's what this series, Ashes to Beauty, is all about. Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. In this episode of our series, Ashes to Beauty, Steve and Kathy Gallagher join me to talk about the mysterious way that God begins to restore us. He begins by creating within us a sense of our total, utter need. There's confusion, there's fear, the future is dark, so uncertain. That is part of, because what we want to do is we want to be in control of everything. And that's what God is trying to get our hands off of our lives and let him control. And part of that process is that uncertainty and fear and and not being able to control. All those things are part of the diminishment process. To be brought face to face with our spiritual emptiness and poverty can be excruciating, but it opens the door into spiritual blessing. It emptied me out of all the hope of the life that I thought I was supposed to have as a married woman. I was emptied out of it, but at the same time, Jesus just became so much bigger in my life, in my eyes, in my world. It's like he became everything to me. Thanks for joining us on Purity for Life. Here we go. All right, so this is the uh, second episode in our series, Ashes to Beauty, and we're basing this series off of Jeff Colon's book, From Ashes to Beauty, and today I have founders of PLM with me, uh, Steve and Kathy Gallagher. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. Okay, so Pastor Steve and Kathy, the point of this series is to help couples whose marriages have been devastated by sexual sin, to help them know that God is able, absolutely able, to restore any marriage no matter how broken it is because of sexual sin. And I know that you would give a hearty amen to that because you've been watching God do that for the last 40 years, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing that we're saying is not just that He can, but that the way He does the (laughs) restoration is by taking both the husband and the wife through a spiritual process. And that that process, as they go through it, they're more and more conformed into the likeness of Jesus, and that's what restores the marriage. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any book that we can offer people. We don't have a magic pill or a seminar. They have to go, both of them have to go through that spiritual process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I would say is that it's got to be the the perfect balance between three people, Hmm. the Lord, the husband, and the wife. And they all have their parts to play in this. So we don't want to overemphasize God. He is the one who does it. Mm -hmm. But if we overemphasize him, then the couple feels like, okay, well, then I'll just wait for God to do what he's going to do. 
there's a reason why some couples make it and some don't. Mm -hmm. It's because the couples who make it always respond to the Lord's leading, and that's the key. And it's not something that just is a one-off experience. This, This is the beginning. Process is a good word. It's a pathway that's from here on out. Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay, we're going to do this, these steps for a couple of months and then we'll be good. No, this is establishing a new lifestyle, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing each other and so on. And that's going to be, yeah, the rest of our lives. That's how a marriage gets restored. And it's not about me watching him and how he's doing. It's about me looking to Christ and following him as a woman who's been hurt, but coming to the, the place where you know, you really understand, all my hope is in the Lord. It's not, I can't look at him. He can't be my guidepost. And that's what I wanted to do in the beginning, but <clears throat> the Lord was gracious and he helped me to see he was what I had to be looking at and he's who I followed. Mm. And that did more good for him than anything else I could have done. I didn't know that. In hindsight, I know that now. Okay, so um, what we're talking about in this series is that pathway. And the way Jeff Cologne laid out the structure of the book was he, he said, the pathway is the Beatitudes. And as each member of the marriage, as each spouse goes down the pathway, Something is going to happen internally, and it's going to create something that has never been in in the marriage. Mm. So I want to read the first seven Beatitudes, and so those who are watching should be thinking, this is what I'm committing to. (laughs) This is the pathway I'm committed to going Mm. down, like you said, Pastor Steve, for the rest of your life. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. So in this episode, we're going to go through the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And um, I guess I just want to start off by asking, what happened for both of you that made you poor in spirit? Well, I thought about that question this morning as I was in prayer, and what came to me was what I was like before the restoration started. And I have to share a couple of things. I've actually stuff I've never shared before. I'll get there's a reason for this. This isn't something I particularly like to talk about, but. Um, for years, I was a chronic womanizer and um, went through scores and scores and scores of women, you know, either relationships or one-night stands or whatever. And um, I didn't, I didn't, definitely did not win them through charisma <laughs> because I don't have charisma, especially not then, and I'm not particularly good-looking, but I did have one thing that attracted women, and that was an extremely high level of self-confidence. I just was always confident, and I think girls 
could sense that somehow, and they were drawn to it. And so that was kind of, I guess, my ace. I didn't know any of this at the time. I'm just looking back. I can see what it was. And, and the, you know, I've had other ones tell me back then. But um, I'm saying that for a reason because I was just full of myself, utterly selfish, utterly just concerned about no one but myself, used girls, used women. Uh, yeah, that's the way I was. I was just an ugly person inside. And so Kathy and I got married, and I continued fooling around on the side and so on. And fast forward to she has left me, and she's with another man, and she comes back. We spend the night, and then she goes to get her stuff. And I went through a six-hour ordeal of, and I've talked about it in my book about my, uh, you know, my autobiography, uh, out of the depths of sexual sin, and I, I I talked about how it was like what you experience in hell. At least the mental torment that was tremendous that day, and it shattered me as a man. And I'm saying all this. We're talking about poverty of spirit. How do you take an utterly arrogant man, completely full of himself, seeing no need for any help from anyone in life, and um, how do you get that person to the place of poverty of spirit? Mm -hmm. And this is how it happened for me. This was the first blow, the first of many blows, <laughs> but it was a big one. Uh, that six-hour ordeal just broke me as a man. I mean, shattered my confidence that I had always relied on in life. You know, not just with women, but just in life. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could do anything. And um, not after that. I was never the same again after that. I have never been the same again since that day. Mm -hmm. That was in sure. 1982. And so that started me down a pathway where the Lord continued to build on that, build on or tear down my structure, really, mm -hmm. the structure of self. So, um, you know, he would take me through different things. But it was that experience that started me on that path. And um, I know Kathy saw things in me after that that she had never seen before, and that gave her hope. Mm -hmm. And yeah. maybe she kind of in a sense, followed my lead, but really I think she had her own experience with poverty of spirit. Mm. Yeah, mine was because, like typical of most women, we look to our husbands, the man in our life, the one that we either are in a relationship with or whatever. I had my eyes on him, and he was wrecking my life. But I kept looking to him. I kept wanting something from him. And when all the sexual sin came out, I don't, I, the Lord keeps bringing this up. I've said this several times in the last couple of weeks in different settings. But when his sin came out, it was like I was exposed. Somehow that exposed me. I don't even know how to explain that. I think people that have been through it know what I'm talking about, but I don't know how to articulate it properly. It was like somehow my my sinfulness was really exposed. I was already saved. I was born again. But God was just stripping away my dependence on him, 
my need for him to fill my bucket that was full of holes. And I was devastated. It was devastating to me to see myself. And I did. I saw what I was. And I, you know, I could list all the adjectives. I was prideful. I was selfish. I wanted, I wanted, I think that's the phrase I could use. I wanted. And all of it was shattered. And it just, it emptied me out of all the hope of the life that I thought I was supposed to have as a married woman. It, I was emptied out of it. But at the same time, Jesus just became so much bigger in my life, in my eyes, in my world. It's like he became everything to me. And Steve was, he'd lost the prominent position in my heart and in my mind. He was no longer the one I was living for. He was not the king of my life anymore. Jesus became that. And again, it's just like what Deary just said, that it's not a one-off thing. You don't do this just one time. It's, it becomes a, a path. And my feet got put on a path. And it was just such an amazing thing to sit here and think about what he was going through, what I was going through. We were both shattered people. We were so shattered, but we got on a path and we were parallel. But it wasn't de- I wasn't dependent on him. I had my own walk with Jesus and I just kept crying out, just pleading with the Lord for the change that I knew I needed. I never got to the place. I'm still not to the place where I think I've got it. I don't got it. But I'm on a path. We're on a path. And it was that fixation that made this marriage work. We didn't necessarily work on the marriage. Yeah. We worked on our walk with God. Yeah. That's what did it. It wasn't me looking at him, him looking at me, and us having you know date nights and stuff like that. It wasn't any of that stuff. No. <laughs> it's not our wheelhouse. It's so ridiculous but we, what What became our... Fix was Jesus himself independent of each other. And then that is what bonded us so tightly together. Mm. That is the thing that held us together. I remember having the thought early, early on, there is a very fine thread holding us together and it could snap. But that thread has become a cord. It's a cord of three and it's bound tightly together now. Mm. Um. I think anybody who's been through or experienced any measure of poverty spirit, it's extremely painful. I don't think there's a way to have poverty of spirit without the pain, right? Because yeah. you're just having all the things that you, the things you know, the things you rely on, the things that you love, the things you trust in, separated from you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what you're describing is... The demolition of the self-life. That's right. That's what it is. And, you know, my self-life was extremely strong and vigorous back in the day, you know. And hers was, too, in her own way. My own way. That's right. Um, Mine was demonstrative. You could just see it written all over me. Her, you wouldn't think of her like being full of herself, but she was. I was. In her own way. And so what the Lord did was start working on tearing down those self-lives, mm-hmm. self-lives. <laughs> um, and um, 
Yeah, it's like the more he tore down, and it does, it's just, it is very painful, mm. and it takes courage to go through it and keep going through it. That's really the truth. Mm. But when you see the end product and when you see what you get in return, it makes it so worth it, you know, and you're willing to just go through whatever you got to go through in life because the less that self is alive and vigorous and strong in you, the more you see the Lord and the more you see other people, the more you see the needs in others, the more you care about others, you know, because when you're just totally wrapped up in self-love, no matter how it may look, mm -hmm. self-love can be for one person, can seem like self-loathing, but it is just another form just of self-love. Yeah. For me, self-love was obvious. I loved myself, you know. I thought I was the greatest, whatever. Ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's still the same thing, being totally focused and fixated on yourself and wanting what you want and all that stuff. And so the Lord gets to working on tearing that house down. Mm -hmm. And it does hurt. It's painful. And, you know, it feels like your whole life is falling apart, but that's part of it. When you're going through it, you'd, for me, I couldn't see tomorrow, let alone what this was producing in my life. What kept me going was I knew somehow that I was being put on a path. And I had to just, the path was the Lord. I had to just keep following him. And there was a connection with Jesus. It was actually when I was saved. The love of God was so powerful. And that was the thing that kept me moving forward spiritually. That was the only thing I had out in front of me. I, had to, I knew I had to go this way, even though it was costing me everything. But that's I wanted Jesus. And I think that's the thing. It has to be why you're doing this. There's no other earthly reason to do it. It's just like, because it's, it is the destruction of the self-life. And there is no easy way to go through that. So for me, it was just, my eyes were fixed on him. I hate to say it like that because it sounds so pious. I wasn't pious. I wasn't doing everything right. But that was what kept me going forward. Not looking at him, not checking him out. I was following after Jesus. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you both basically the same question, but Pastor Steve, I mean, you've ministered to hundreds, thousands of men in sexual sin, and um, many of them have been willing. They've been willing to become poor in spirit, right? Like this crisis, whatever it is, the exposure of their sin, or the, the cost of sin in their marriage has given them an opportunity to choose to be poor in spirit. Many of them do. Um, why, in terms of becoming the man that they're supposed to be, the husband they're supposed to be, why can they not be that without becoming poor in spirit? Hmm. Well, okay. But first of all, let me just say you said... They're willing to be poor in spirit. No one is willing to be <laughs> poor in spirit. No one has ever lived, <laughs> I don't think, that's willing to be poor in spirit. God puts people through stuff. 
and they respond one way or the other. You know, either they allow God to do that inner work of impoverishing them. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. We can't be, mm-hmm. you know, you don't just make a decision, oh, yeah, today I'm going to be poor in spirit. <laughs> no, it's, first of all, none of us are willing to go through that level of pain. You know, we just avoid it like the plague, especially in when we most need it, when we're really full of ourselves. We don't want anything to do with anything that's yeah. going to, you know, affect our internal life. So it's not a matter of being. It's the work of the Lord and allowing him to do that thing inside of us that changes our outlook and so on. Yes, we have to be that person. We have to allow God to take us through that process to be the kind of husband who will actually care about his wife. I really didn't care about Kathy. I had such an arrogant attitude about women in general. You know, um, I just kind of had the underlying attitude, I can always get another one. That was I was so confident in that. And so how did that make her feel? Because she could read it. It was obvious that I felt that way, that, you know, well, she's she was special to me. I married her because she was a special girl to me. But underlying all that is the attitude, whatever, you know, I'll get another one if this doesn't work out. So for me to become the kind of husband that actually goes from that to really caring about her, really wanting to meet her needs as far as the husband and and so on. I had, yeah, I had to go through that process of being diminished and impoverished. Mm. Yeah, and um, in terms of a wife becoming the kind of person she's supposed to be in the marriage relationship, why, why... Do you have to become poor in your spirit? Because you'll never do it the right way in the flesh. It's not possible. Even as a a really good person who is churched, grown up in the church, you're a good girl, you didn't have sex before, all that stuff, that is not, I mean, that's all good stuff, and I don't diminish that. It is awesome to have been raised in the church and been pure-hearted and all that stuff. But that is not poverty of spirit because the best of us are still rebels inside. We are not like Christ. We are becoming. It's like, it's like salvation. Salvation is not a position. It's a process. You are becoming saved. And so as believers, the Lord has to let us wind our way through. If you study the New Testament, what you will find, this is going to sound so negative, and I'll try and clean up the mess in a minute, but if you read the New Testament, what you will find throughout all of it, all of the apostles have a testimony of suffering. All of them. There isn't one in there who got this thing. They all suffered. And it is just part and parcel of being transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And part of the darkness is in us. We are prideful, 
by nature. We are fallen creatures. We are just fallen. So Jesus rescues us. Our sins are forgiven. We are being given a new nature, but that is a process that happens. It's a lifelong journey of being transformed, being conformed. So in that conforming process, in that tearing down of the old man is this brokenness that has to be a part of the Christian's life. You're dying to your self-life and becoming like Christ. Well, what was Jesus like? Emptied of himself, of his, you know, he emptied himself. He became nothing. And he's our example. That's where we're going. And look what God did to Jesus. Look what he had to go through. That is our path. There is no other path. There's, you know, in a way it's like everything that we hope for in the Christian life is so American-made. It was made in America, but it wasn't made in heaven. Heaven's perspective is way different, you know, and it's true that his ways are far beyond us finding out. God doesn't think like we think. He doesn't act like we act. We're the ones who need to be changed. We're the ones who have to be crushed and broken out of our American-made mentality. And it's painful. Even our idea of marriage is so unbiblical in so many ways. It's just not the way God wants it. We're supposed to be a demonstration of him on earth and the bride of Christ. I just... We have to die. That's the bottom line. We have to be crushed. And when God brings us together as a married couple, a lot of times that's where it begins. That's where the iron is sharpening iron, man, and you find out what's really in you. That's why, I mean, I don't want to state this too strongly, but I'll just say it this way. Oftentimes, sexual sin in a marriage has been a tremendous blessing, really because of the pain that it brings forth in that relationship and what God can do out of that to bring two people. Instead of having two moral people full of themselves, you have two crushed people who become full of the Lord. And that is what Christianity really is about. Well, we get a lot of pushback on that kind of stuff. There's a lot of people, women (laughs) in particular, who just absolutely abhor that kind of talk because in their American-made version of Christianity or of marriage, I should say, it's that, and, and ideally, ideally, it would be one man, one woman for life who are joined together, who love each other. Of course, that's God's will. That is his best. But you have to also take into account the world that we live in, the fallen nature that we have, that we are. All of that has to be brought together. Well, in the scope of things, in the earthly scope of things, I'll just say it this way. It was sexual sin that crushed me, his sexual sin that crushed me to dust, which is what I needed, and God raised me up from that heap. And I am not the same person because of what I've gone through. So can I say that that was a bad thing, that that was an evil thing? Yes, in a certain way, I know what they mean. I understand it. I went through it. But look what God has done, what, what he produced 
from that. You think I regret that? No, I don't. I've said it many times. I don't regret a single day of what I've had to go through because of what it did for me and in me. And I know when I stand before Christ Jesus, I will be blameless in his sight. I didn't resist. I didn't kick back. I didn't force a better life for myself. I let him take me through. And I, yeah, I'm a joyful, happy, satisfied, fulfilled woman. Not because of him, but because of Jesus. But I do have that that love and that admiration because he went through the same thing and he let God crush him. That's what binds us together as a married couple. It's not, there's not some chemistry or something like that. That's a bunch of hogwash. What we have together is in Christ, and that is what makes it strong. Well, what you're calling hogwash is just emotional. It's emotions. It, it is. It's emotional connections people have. I don't know if I'd call it hogwash, but I would say it is way down <laughs> compared to where God wants couples to be. Mm. That's what you I You have say. to like each other, and we like each other. Yeah, we, yeah that helps. It does help. <laughs> um, okay, so I think what you guys are saying is that what God is offering men and women whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin, He's offering them an opportunity to take His pathway. Like, it really can go in two different directions. Mm-hmm. Like, this could go very badly. There could be bitterness. There could be unrepentant sin. There could be strife and friction, and no one's willing to go God's way, and that's an opportunity. But this is also a doorway into something that is very hard to understand, but what you guys are saying is you'll never regret it. Well, I would just say, from a spiritual standpoint, just set aside the marriage situation. Just any two believers Um, To have real unity comes about by being one in spirit in union with the Lord, and that is through this process. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're talking about is the unity of two believers, and we happen to be married, and we are very much in unity together. And that unity has come about by allowing the Lord to, at whatever level, to diminish and put to death our self life, and to allow Him to come in and fulfill, you know, to fill that void, mm. and that's where the depth of our relationship is established. Mm. Um, can I just wrap up one one last thing? I think that when you're being made poor in spirit, you're experiencing some of that. It's like all the moorings are gone. You know, and you don't know how to move forward. You don't know what to do. It's just, it's very disorienting. Um, It can be very overwhelming and the fear and all of that. Is there any, I don't know, I hate to like a formula kind of thing, but just is there something that they can fix their eyes on or some point, you know, that they could focus on while they're going through this? I'm going to let Deary answer that, but I just want to say one thing first before she takes it, um, and that is that is part of it and is meant to be. It's intentional by the Lord that there's confusion, mm-hmm. that there's fear, that the future is dark, so uncertain. That is part of because what we want to do 
is we want to be in control of everything. And that's what God is trying to get our hands off of our lives and let him control. And part of that process is that uncertainty and fear and, and not being able to control yeah, the, right. the future and the relationship and all the stuff. We can't. And that's part of it. Is So you have to go through that period of darkness and not being able to see what's coming and not knowing is the other one going to do the right. All those things mm -hmm. are part of the diminishment process. Which also creates dependence on the Lord, mm -hmm. which we desperately need because we, we tend to think of God as an addition to our lives. No, he has to be everything. He has to be everything. And this, the, your, your floor getting swept clean is the beginning of that process and going through the confusion and not knowing even the fears that you have, especially for a wife who's like, okay, when's the next shoe going to drop? That whole thing. You should be crying out to the Lord. You should be putting your, your hope in him, not in him, in the Lord. And so for me, the thing that, you know, I didn't do, I didn't have a project list. I didn't have a task list. Mm -hmm. I just had, I was devastated. I was a shell. And what I did was I learned how to pray. <laughs> I really learned how to pray. And I learned how to get into the Word of God. And the Word of God became such a treasure to me. It still to this day is my life. And I had, I've had to grow a lot. I've been a Christian for 44 years. I'm still growing up. Um, but it was just nurturing my relationship with Jesus became more important to me. I didn't, this is the truth. I, at that point, I did not have time to worry about what he was going through because I was going through my own stuff. And I know a lot of women spend a lot of time making sure he's doing the right trying thing. Trying to fix him. Trying to make sure, yeah, try to fix him, but try to make sure he stays in his words, staying in prayer. Get out of that. That is not gonna help you. You need, you need the Lord just as much as he does. You were not in sexual sin like he was, but you still need the Lord. You can't do this in the flesh. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. So, and that, yeah, I learned it the hard way like the rest of us do, but that was how I did it. Kept my eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, we could probably talk about this subject for like days. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, it's not easy. It's not meant to be easy, but it's good. It's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. Um, so in the next episode, we're going to talk about mourning. So you oh guys boy. will be back for that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, another another cheery subject. <laughs> Golding. What a great day. <laughs> All right, thanks. All right, that's it for this episode. And again, just to remind you, we've based this whole series on Jeff Cologne's book, From Ashes to Beauty. So I would really encourage you to get a copy, both for you and for your spouse, because first of all, the content and the testimonies that are in the chapters are going to be a really great supplement for you as you listen to the series. But secondly, there's a lot of additional content in the back of the book, like personal reflection questions for each chapter. And you and your spouse could be writing down the things that God is showing you as you go throughout the series and throughout the book. Also, there's a lot in the appendices, like 
a topical Bible study about taming the tongue and about loving your spouse. There's also a worksheet that kind of gives a structure for communication as issues are arising in the marriage, and there's even more. So anyway, I just think it'd be a really valuable tool for both of you. All right, next week, Pastor Steve and Kathy are back with us for the third episode in this series. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.